with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number one. And this is a song that God gave to Moses. And so it is God speaking directly to the people. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number one. Let's just take another moment and worship the Lord. Could we do this? Once in a while, you have to humble yourself in the presence of God. Lord, help me to preach. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. As the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. When I first moved to Georgia, you know, it seems like it was, I've been here my whole life, but it's really not been all that long. I remember driving with my, some of you remember that great big diesel truck that I had when I moved here, and I pulled in with that big trailer into a gas station, and I saw something I'd never seen before. It was a Mountain Dew advertisement, and it said, it's true, Georgia loves the dew. And I did something that I often do. I wrote a little note to myself, and I said, I like that. And in study recently... I felt the Lord give me a different slogan. It's true, Georgia needs the dew. It needs the dew of the word of God. Could we put our Bibles down and let's, we've already experienced such a beautiful level of worship. Let's, let's ask the Lord to open up our hearts right now. We've, our worship has been digging up the fallow ground Let's pray that we would receive it right now. Lord, in your name, we're so thankful for this powerful atmosphere where anything is possible, God. We, there are things that have been released in the spirit realm already, God, and it's just, it's just percolating. It's waiting to happen, Lord. And I pray that your word would descend upon us like dewdrops, God, and that we would receive what you have for us in the name of Jesus. And someone said, in Jesus' name, amen. Before I let you be seated, I am going to bounce off of some uh, popular phrases. But even though I'm using some, perhaps, bouncing off of a, a popular subject, please don't take that to mean that this is not a serious subject. I feel the Lord would like to speak to us in a very serious way. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes his word 
is like the dew. The Bible is full of powerful adjectives and typologies that describe the voice of God and the word of God. Sometimes God speaks with thunder and lightning. And sometimes the voice of God is great and terrible. And sometimes God is likened to a consuming fire. We know that God's word is alive and it's sharp and it cuts and it divides and it builds up and it tears down. God's voice has thundered from heaven with anger and fury and with whispers like wind. His word is like a lamp unto our feet that guides us even in the darkest of times. Sometimes God's voice was so terrible that the people could not bear to hear it for themselves. Jeremiah, that great Weeping prophet declared that God's word is like a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces. Paul declared that the scripture is given for uncomfortable things like reproof, correction, and instruction. But I am thankful this morning that I can preach to us today that sometimes his word is like the dewdrops that distill from the very breath of God. You've got to understand that when God's word distills like the dew, it's a powerful and often forgotten attribute of God's word. You see, dew is formed in a way that is very different from rainfall. Dew is formed in the darkness of night when everything is black, when everything is bleak and cold. Dew is naturally distilled when very warm air comes into contact with very cold air. Warm air contains more moisture than cold air does. And when that frigid air hits that warm air, the warm air bursts forth into a life-giving moisture that we call the dew. So when God's word is distilled as the dew, you can know that it does its best work in the darkness of night. You may not see a ray of light or hear the sound of an abundance of rain, but rather the dew comes in thousands of little droplets of life, giving water that refreshes and renews your cold soul. The dew causes the good fruit of your life to flourish. You can't have the joy of the Lord without the dew. You can't have perfect peace that passes understanding without the dew. You cannot have abiding agape love until you experience the dew drops. Oh, I wish somebody could understand that it is the refreshing dew that flows from the very breath of God that will bring peace and joy and love and sanctification and protection to your life. Hallelujah. We need the dew. The dew of God's word that forms underneath the cover of night. So 
Don't despair when the night comes and you don't hear anything and you can't feel anything. And I I know that I'm preaching to somebody today that even in the middle of the kind of worship service that we just experienced, you felt nothing, you experienced nothing, and there is very little pain that hurts like the pain of watching as others receive a blessing from God and you feel numb all over from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. You know what you need? You need the dew of the word of God to seep into the soil of your spirit and to bring moisture. Hallelujah. You can rest confidently when you can't hear and when you can't see and when you can't feel and you can know that sometimes God's word is working in the nighttime like the dew. Oh yes, Georgia and not just Georgia but this entire world needs to have a refreshing dew of the word of God to cover it in the nighttime, to cover it in the darkness, to cover it in its fear, to cover it in its failure, to Cover it when it's slumbering and bring life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes. We need the dew of the word distilled in the darkness of night. Furthermore, the dew of God's word is at its most effective when two extreme temperatures come colliding together. So when your cold, frigid spirit makes contact with the warmth of God's spirit. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When your cold heart touches the warmth of the fire of God, thousands of tiny little droplets of dew explode life-giving moisture into your very soul. I wish somebody would lift up your hand right now and say, Lord, I need the warmth of your spirit. God, I need the dew to come and explode into my atmosphere. And when that happens, the dew produces life where death was prevailing. The dew quenches thirst where dryness was prevailing. The dew produces strength where weakness was growing. The gentle midst of God's word will slip quietly into your dying soul and it will breathe newness of life. It will revive a weary heart. Yes, sometimes we need God's word to be like a hammer. And sometimes we need God's word to be like the rain. And sometimes we need to hear his voice in the thunder. But sometimes we need the dew to slip into the darkness and cover us when we cannot do it on our own. Hallelujah. Because the object of dew is to produce and preserve life in dry places and in dry seasons. And we all go through dry seasons. Some of y'all are looking at me like you've never been through a dry season. But you know, if you were being human If you were being entirely honest today, you would stand before this entire sanctuary and say, yes, there have been times where I didn't know where I would receive my strength or if I would ever receive strength again. But you see, dew 
does nothing to help stones or dead leaves. But when it touches little fading plants or starving roots, things that were closed up tight begin to blossom at the word of God. You see, the dew reminds us that dryness is far more deadly than darkness. Some of you need to receive that revelation, and so I'm going to say it one more time. We need to understand today that dryness is far more dangerous than the darkness because you see in the darkness the dew will work but it's in the darkness that the dew will begin to refresh your dryness of spirit and I am afraid that we are encroaching upon a generation that is full of cold hearted people but God forbid that apostolic tabernacle would ever lose the flame would ever lose the fire God forbid we would ever get to a place where we're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that I'm standing in the midst of a crowd of witnesses. I wish you would go ahead and signify it by clapping your hands to the Lord. That we are going to be a people of the word. We are going to be a people who love God's word. And sometimes it comes upon us like the drops of dew. You've got to have it. Because I'm preaching into spiritual dryness. I feel it deep down in my bones right now. I'm wrestling against demons in the spirit. You better believe this preacher. There are demonic forces of hell right now that are trying to sap you of all of your life. That are trying to take every ounce of Holy Ghost out of your system. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the do. You need the do. You need the do of God's word to remove the dryness from your cold heart. Because dryness will suck the moisture from your praise. When you get dry enough, you can't lift your hands anymore. When you get dry enough, you don't pray to God anymore. When you get dry enough, the preacher can be preaching underneath a great anointing and you can be doing everything else but engaging with the word of God because the dryness is robbing you of your life. The dryness is sapping you of your energy and you need the dew of the Holy Ghost to come in and remove your backsliding and to restore you to your former self dryness will leave you numb and without feeling when people are victims of thirst if you talk to people I mean real thirst I don't mean just going some of us you know in the French family if you go 30 minutes without a Coca-Cola you're thirsty but I mean real thirst. People who have gone days without drinking anything, they'll tell you that there's a particular place that you get to where you're so dry and your system is just so empty and your entire body is longing for moisture and finally your brain begins to shut down and people will say that everything goes numb. You can't feel joy. You can't feel anything. And so it is in the spirit. When you begin to lose the warmth of the Holy Ghost, It'll rob you of feeling You won't be able to enter into his gates with thanksgiving Or into his courts with praise Because you're dry and thirsty And your brain can't even process what's really going on I'll tell you what you need You need the dew of the word of God to move in your heart
the dew will bring you through even the driest of seasons. And yet there's another manifestation of the dew. Psalms 133 verses 1 through 3 show us another manifestation. And I call this the original mountain dew. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. You've got to understand there's all kinds of rich Typology that's happening in this passage. Number one, the psalmist describes that oil of anointing. Oil always signifies anointing and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the psalmist was describing how when they anointed Aaron to be the high priest over Israel, they poured that oil over his head and it flowed down his beard from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He was covered with anointing. That signifies to us today that the flow of the Holy Ghost, the flow of anointing flows from the ministry on down and Christ is the head of the church. How many are thankful that Christ is not only the head of the church but he is the foundation of the church and so we have Christ before us and we have Christ behind us. We have him all around us. Someone shout Jesus be a fence. Oh, somebody needs to understand that it is Jesus that covers us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. But you also have to understand that the psalmist didn't mention the dew of Mount Hermon by accident. It was the highest point in all of Palestine from every direction you could see it. And at a certain time of the year, during certain seasons, when the snow caps would begin to melt, the dew drops would begin to flow from the top of the mountain and it would flow into the streams and it would flow into the rivers and people would go and they would drink from the water that was considered to be sanctified water because the very name of Mount Hermon meant sanctified place. All of this was prophetic referring to the time in the New Testament that in the last days God will pour out his spirit just like the dew that flowed from Mount Zion down, that flowed from Mount Hermon down, just like the oil that flowed from the top of Aaron's head to the sole of his feet. Hey, you've got to have the dew. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when they said, what must we do to be saved? He said, you've got to repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. And then pardon me a moment while I use some newfangled vernacular. He said, you've got to have the do. He said, you've got to receive the Holy Ghost. Hey, it's not an option. You better get it. You've got to have it. Because it's the dew of God's spirit that will sanctify you. Clap your hands to the Lord and thank him for his spirit. 
Take it a step further and thank him for sanctification. Thank him for holiness this morning. You can't live holy without the Holy Ghost. You can't walk circumspectly without the Holy Ghost. You need the dew of God's Spirit. Hallelujah. And not only do you have to have the dew. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to have the Holy Ghost. If you want to be obedient to the word, you've got to have the Holy Ghost. But not only do you have to receive the Holy Ghost, it doesn't stop there. You've got to do the do. Acts 1.8 says, but ye shall receive power. About three of us believe that. See, some of you have the Holy Ghost and you're still waiting on the power. You have the power, but you've got to do it. Hey, the Bible says lay hands on the sick. When's the last time you laid hands on the sick in a supermarket? You've got to do it. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be Witnesses, Did you know that when you get this awesome, amazing, powerful thing called the Holy Ghost, the greatest gift that God has given to mankind, that you have an obligation, you have a calling to go into the world and preach the gospel? Did you know you have an obligation to be a witness everywhere that you go? And I am praying and anointing on everyone under the sound of my voice that you would do miracles, signs, and wonders, not in your name, not a According to your authority, don't call on apostolic tabernacle. Everything you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, you need to go out and do it. You need to go out and see them saved. Go out into the highways and the byways. Be a witness for the gospel. Galatians 5 and 16 takes it a step further. Look at the person beside you and say, you've got to do the do. This I say then, walk In the spirit. See, it's not enough just to get the spirit. Some people like some people like to sip on the dew and they get that good feeling. You know, let's bring it down to the natural. You know, Mountain Dew is one of those things that uh, let's be honest. I'm not uh, endorsing Mountain Dew. It's terrible for you. And and I know some of you love it. And I had to help Brother Jimmy because he was almost backslid over the the Coca-Cola sermon last Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. He really didn't. But people love their Pepsi products. But let's face it, if you drink, if you drink Mountain Dew, if you drink a can of it, you're going you're gonna to feel good. You're going to get that sugar high. And then you're going to crash at some point. Somebody knows. Can I get a witness? Some of you are looking at me like you've never. You know you've had Mountain Dew. Stop pretending like you've never had Mountain Dew. Some of you came up last Sunday and admitted you'd had tab and all kinds of ungodly things. So I'm, I'm praying for you. Fresca and all that horrible, all that horrible stuff. But some people, that's how they approach the Holy Ghost. They want to get just a little temporary fix of the Holy Ghost. They want to come to church and and just get that good feeling that, you know, you can get a good feeling in the presence of God. But the Holy Ghost was not intended for us to merely come together and have the warm fuzzies inside. The, The Holy Ghost was intended for us to do more than just dance. And I love to dance in the Spirit. But the Holy Ghost is more than just our dancing partner. And it's more than just our hanky waver. And it's more than just an excuse for us to shout different 
than the Baptist shout. The Holy Ghost was intended for us to be filled, endued with power from on high so that you could walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. You see, there's things that you want to do and there's things you know you shouldn't do and you need to do the do if you're going to walk circumspectly and walk pleasing before God. I wish somebody would clap your hands if you realize that you've got to walk the walk on Monday. you got to talk the talk on Tuesday. you got to keep on living for God on Wednesday. This is more than a Sunday morning deal. This is a 24-7, seven-day-a-week operation. Walk, 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 walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Brother Ryan, you don't understand. Uh, there's all these temptations, and it, you know I, it's not even my fault. It, the devil made me do it. No, no, the devil didn't make you do it. You weren't walking in the spirit. I'm preaching right now to somebody, but you you don't understand. There's things that you know. My dad wrestled with that, and my granddad wrestled. No, you don't understand. You're endued with power from on high. Stop minimizing the power that God gave you. You're telling me that God's not all powerful. You're telling me that the gift that God gave you is meaningless. God gave you a powerful gift, but you've got to exercise it. You. When you've done all you can do to stand. It didn't say call on Jesus even though that'd be a good thing to do. But you need to stand. Therefore, having your loins girt about you. Every once in a while, you've got to do it. You've got to stand. 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 When Nebuchadnezzar tells the musicians. When Beyonce and Bieber start singing. You don't have to do what they say. You can stand. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You can stand. Putting on the whole armor of God. Anybody feeling good right now? I feel the armor of God starting, starting to come upon us. See, some of you came to church today, and here's what some of us do. We, we put on a little armor here, and I, you know what? I'll get the sword. The sword's fun. All us guys, we like the sword of the spirit. That's pretty cool. And, and you know, the ladies like the sandals. They put that on. And, and the ladies like the helmet. That looks pretty nice. And they decorate it with bows and all of these things. But then what happens is we get out into war, and we realize we didn't get our shield because because it wasn't stylish enough. Hey, we need to stop picking and choosing. You need to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand every wile, every attack, every lie, every trick. Come on, somebody. Go ahead and rebuke the devil right now in Jesus' name. Let him know he has no authority here. He has no power here because we have the dew of God's word and we have the dew of the spirit that flows from the the very mountain of God. Hallelujah. 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 As the musicians come, I'm closing quickly. Not only do we need to do the do, but one of my favorite Mountain Dew slogans. Can you tell I like slogans? is a more recent one. It's simply this. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. And as I survey Pentecost, and as I look at the apostolic movement, not just our church, because 
The church is bigger than just our local assembly. How many understand that? I'm telling you right now, as a humble preacher, that I have a fear that we are going to lose our apostolic identity if we're not very careful. You see, as pastor has been teaching so ably on Sunday mornings, there are things that we do that if we let go of them, we're going to lose everything. You see, we need to understand that we are called to live a life of purity because without holiness, no man, the word says, shall see the Lord. We need to understand that the reason that we clap our hands and make a joyful noise, you know, the preacher shouldn't have to beg us to worship and the song leader shouldn't have to pull it out of us. There, there ought to be something inside of us when we come to the house of God that says, this is just how we do it because this is what the Word called us to do. It's the Word that said, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It's the Word that says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. It's the Word that says to praise Him on all of the various instruments. Get, get the wind instruments out. I, I wish somebody would go get on a wind instrument right now. I wish somebody would just grab a tambourine or, or something that makes some noise. And I wish somebody would go back to our roots like, like we used to do an old camp meeting. Anybody remember how we'd get together an old camp meeting? Somebody ought to stand to your feet right now and we're going to remind ourselves how apostolics worship. We're going to remind ourselves that we've got to be a people of the presence. Listen, I want somebody to understand that we do this. The reason that we worship and the reason that we make a joyful noise. And the reason that we make such a big deal about coming together and preaching and all of these things is because we remember how sick we were with sin. We remember where we were when God found us. We remember the miry clay that he reached down into and he pulled us out and he set us on a rock to stay. Some of us need to go back to the altar where God got a hold of us and we need to humble ourselves and say this is how we do it because we are a people of the name. This is how we praise. We do it in Jesus' name and we're not ashamed of it because we want to be a people of the power. We want to be a people of the presence. I wonder... I wonder if somebody would get a hold of someone beside you as they begin to sing. And I wonder if you'd take their hand and say, we're going to step out into the aisle and we're going to take one minute and we're going to show the devil how we worship. Could you do that? I know we've already worshiped. But get a hold of somebody and go ahead and let hell know we're established in our identity. We're a praising people. We're a worshiping people. We're a Jesus name people. We're a holiness people. We're a Holy Ghost filled people. Come on, somebody. Go ahead, young person, grab somebody. Get them out in the altar. Oh, because God inhabits this. This is what pleases God. This is what moves God. Come on, nobody talking, nobody talking. Nobody talking, nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. They're going to help me sing. Go ahead, come on, let's sing it. Oh.
Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Come on, get somebody close to you. Make a joyful noise. Blow the trumpet and shout. Come on and praise him for the victory. Oh, the weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. This is the way. 